welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 279 of the podcast. It's Jessica, and I'm so thrilled you are spending this time with us this Friday morning, if you're listening on time. (laughs) I am really excited because I took a little social media fast, and during that time, I was able to replace the time that I was mindlessly scrolling or just kind of tuned out for my own life to really switch it up and deliberately choose activities that were way more valuable to me. So that looked like spending more time with my kids and really being present with them. Imagine that. It looked like reading a lot more. And so specifically today, I want to share with you a a conversation I just had with an amazing author, Haley Morgan. She has a new book coming out, and she's going to share a little bit about preaching to yourself, about her new book that just came out, about the thoughts we think, the truths we believe, both about faith and about our identity and things like that. And I'm so excited to share that conversation with you because I have loved, loved her book. In addition, I want to share with you three other books I've been loving lately that I would highly recommend in different genres. So let's first get to my conversation with author Haley Morgan. All right. I'm thrilled to be chatting with Haley Morgan today. Hi, Haley. Hi, Jessica. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much. Well, where am I speaking to you from today? I am in Indianapolis, Indiana, in the middle of the country. Oh, nice. Awesome. But that's not where you live usually, is it? No, that is where I live. Oh, yeah, okay. That, I, I, I had you pinned on the East Coast for some reason. <laughs> no, I used to live in Charlotte. That might be why. Okay, perhaps that's what I'm remembering. Well, I'm just thrilled to be chatting with you. Um, I've had one of your writing partners on before, Jess Connolly, and I'm just so excited about your new book. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm really excited about it, too. It feels like a, a book baby, I guess. I have four boys, four of my own kids, and somehow I always was so annoyed when people said, like, a book is like a baby. I was like, no, they're 100% not. <laughs> but it does kind of feel like a long time of work that all of a sudden you get to introduce to the world. So I, I'm excited, too. I bet. How long have you been working on this particular book? Um, From, like, I probably a little less than two years okay so see I think people just have no concept I know that I hadn't previously to get kind of getting into this world that it takes so long and you wrote these words so long and so being so far removed from you know when you started putting pen to paper or typing on your document you know like how is that having such distance between that and then now knowing people are going to read that message that you thought two years ago Yeah, it's really interesting, actually. I mean, in our online world, we're used to just, like, tip-tapping out an Instagram post, or um, you can even self-publish so much faster than traditional publishing houses work. And so it is, there is an interesting disconnect, and being somebody who started out in the online world, it was a... Uh, an interesting challenge to kind of realize, like, oh, I'm going to sit with this message for upwards of two years, and from writing, you know, conception to writing, to 
publication, it's a really long time. And just like anything in kind of life, you go through fits and spurts of really mastering the message. And then other times it's difficult to live the message because of just how life is. And so that in itself gave me a lot of um, room and time to practice kind of what I was actually saying in the book. And that actually was really good for me. And I think, I think it will resonate with the readers too, because they'll know that I, this isn't from like a high and lofty theoretical place. It's a place for me actually working it out with them. Yeah, it's in real time. Was there any kind of trepidation in, because the book is called Preach to Yourself, and I am a big proponent of thought work and really being aware of what you think about things impacts how you live and how you feel about everything. So being self-aware enough to realize the power of that. And so was there trepidation in being like, I'm no expert on this, but I'm willing to work through this and live it out and show you my journey along the way, even if it's not perfect. Yeah, I think there's always that trepidation, especially Mm -hmm. when we are in this online world that wants to criticize everybody and everything. Um, There's definitely that trepidation, but ultimately it's worth it to me. And I've found that when I'm most willing to be vulnerable, I my words most connect with other women. And I feel like the words that I've read from my favorite authors, they've helped me feel less alone and they've helped me kind of have motivation to move forward in my life and in my faith. And so it's it's a trade-off I'm willing to make in order to kind of connect with people better and just to let them know that there is no no person who has all of this stuff figured out. And even the people who know it all intellectually, there's a really wide difference between knowing it and understanding it and living it out. I love how you said that's a trade-off that you're willing to make. I mean, I feel kind of like that in motherhood. Like a lot of people are like, okay, when I have this much money in the bank or after I've done this, 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 then I'll become a mom and then I'll be ready. But like you're never really ready to be a mom. No. And, and as you parent no, each new never. child, you realize how little you actually know about any of it. And yes. But it's all a trade-off you're willing to make. It is worth the investment in the role of being a mom and showing up for your family, even as imperfect as you are day to day, because mm-hmm. it's worth it. It's worth it. A hundred percent. And it, I really, I mean, I feel like that in motherhood too. And I felt the same way about getting married. Like you're never really ready to do it. Mm-hmm. It never really makes a lot of sense on paper. There's a million reasons not to do it, but there is some overriding thing that it makes the world better you know mm-hmm. you and your spouse are better together or you um are better with with your family and so I think it's I think we have to be willing to be brave and willing to kind of take that step out in order to I mean it's not about us it's not about making a mark on the world for ourselves but it's about moving kind of culture along and making it making it more what we want to see in the world so I think the world needs more brave yeah, and it starts in your home. It starts showing up mm-hmm. just as you are at the PTA meeting or at church mm-hmm. or maybe it yep. is writing a book, but it doesn't have to be grand to make any type of no. mark or, or move any work forward. It's just doing right. you and showing up. Well, and I would even go a step further and say it even before it's showing up in 
in your home, it's really showing up in your own mind mm. and really like setting a fertile ground for a life of health and healthiness in that regard. And because it's from that place that we can really, that we're even able to show up because I know I've shown up for my kids or I've been at the PTA meeting and I might be there physically, but my mind is going, you know, 10,000 miles an hour in a different direction. And so I think it really frees us up. That is my whole really big realization was that if I can get a handle on my own head, it really frees me up to love other people well. Oh, that is such a powerful message. And it takes all the burden of expectation off it, too, you know, thinking you have to do or be certain things in order to be worth it, (laughs) you know, like, oh, man, that's, that's so good. So tell me about your new book. How did it come to be? How did this idea come to be? And what can people expect if they pick it up? Yeah, well, you mentioned that you had talked to my writing partner, Jess Connolly, previously on the podcast. So about two and a half years ago, we wrote a book called Wild and Free. And the, the idea of the book was that, like, how you're made and, you know, with our faith that, like, you're enough and you're not too much. And that that's, like, kind of the best place to be is living that out. And it was great, like, writing the book. I loved the process. It sold well. It was in the hands of all these people that we were hoping it changed their lives. And then I really realized, like, oh, gosh, I am still having a really hard time living out this message myself. And I just spent years researching it and writing it and talking about it and telling other people that it's, you know, a great way to live. And so that freaked me out because I... I can't handle that disconnect between what I know and then who I am. Mm. And so I started to wonder, like, what is that disconnect between our head and our heart? Why why is there that gap? And that is what started the whole rabbit trail. The whole, I pulled on that one thread and the whole thing, like, kind of un, it unraveled in, with this idea of that we all walk around with this gap, this integrity gap between our head and our heart. And it's really, it can be a place, it's what the world calls hypocrisy. And it can be a place where we either can stumble and we can falter and we can doubt ourselves and we can really um, kind of experience some of our biggest wounds in life. Or it can be a place where we can, um, we can really do the work to kind of close that gap. If we're willing to stand in it or we're really willing to go there, that can be the place that God really works to close that gap. Oh, you are speaking my language. That is such a smart insight. That is huge because I have made this point on the podcast before that I was reading a lot of parenting books and everything and my kids still weren't doing what I wanted them to do. (laughs) Right. No matter how many right. parenting and books. Really, and you're like, come yeah, on. When we have that, mm-hmm. Yeah, when we have that gap, we feel all kinds of failure. And right. we feel all kinds of shame that goes with that because we know what we're supposed to do. Or we know how to make things better, but we just can't quite make it happen. And I found, and I'm sure with um, like the work you've done with thoughts and things like that, that you know that that the way that we think really changes the way that we view the world and the things that we do, the energy that we have, all of that. Mm -hmm. So I found it to be really profound in my life. And 
as my kids, my oldest is 12, and as my kids get older, I'm really glad that I kind of not figured this out because it's an ongoing practice, but I'm glad that I started pulling the thread of it because I'm realizing I need to teach my kids to do this well. And if I can teach them to do it well at 12, what kind of, I mean, maybe I'm saving them from a whole a whole decade of that ingrained thought pattern that I then had to un, untangle. And really for me, it was two decades. You know, mm. I'm 33 at this point. So Right. Yeah, and you do talk in the book about past wounds and going back and the importance of of healing those wounds and working through those things. And I think for many people, they are deeply afraid of those things. They want to just move forward thinking that, you know, it's not still holding them back if they don't give it the power. But really, I mean, is that ever true for anybody when something is deeply wounding and it hasn't had the right type of, of balm over it? It's it's gonna stick with you. What did you find in your own life, and and what did you kind of share about that type of thing in the book? Yeah, I I mean I'm one of those people. I wish I could just bury my head and just you know keep running faster or doing more or having more noise in my life, anything to distract me from like that just ache of an old wound. I don't I don't like the idea of uncovering it either. So <laughs> this is not. Um, you're not alone if you're like, nah, thanks, fast forward this podcast, I'd rather not hear about this part. Um, but if we continue to do that, because we're wounded, I mean, this, normally we're not just wounded once in life. Normally we're carrying around several major wounds that really change the way we think and the way that we do things in life. And so if we allow those things to collect and we kind of keep going, we'll get further and further from the way that we were created and who we're supposed to be. And so for me, I kind of recognized that I was walking around with a particular wound when something, I was at like a happy hour with my friends and something that one of my friends said really caused an outsized emotional response from me. It almost felt like an out of control emotional response. And it was one of those that really caught me by surprise. I was shocked. And it took me months to kind of untangle, like, what in the world happened? We were just at happy hour. Like, this is so strange. And But the more and more I kind of looked through this, and I was talking to a mentor of mine, and she was like, she's so sweet because she always takes notes when we talk. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so interested to know what she does with these notes. <laughs> like, where do, you, where do these go? I don't know. But That's amazing. notes. Yeah, when we talk, and she, like, kind of, like, flipped back through her notebook, and she was like, you know, you told me about, a ta- like, about how your dad used to do this with you, that if he had hard news to tell you, that he would take you out to a restaurant, and because you're kind of a captive audience, and you're there, and it was, like, light bulbs in my head that, like, oh, this is why I had that outsized response to this thing that my friend said and it's because I felt unsafe and I felt in the spotlight and really like put on the spot and Mm. so from there I was able to really go back and really start to unpack those things and unpack the things I told myself in regards to that that thing that happened to me when I was younger and really even just seeing that play out and seeing that kind of sequence of events 
allowed me to also look in other places in my life and see, like, where else has that happened where I kind of had, like, a surprising response to something, and, like, how might that be tied to other things that have happened in my life? It's like what Oprah calls the aha moment, right? Yeah. Yes. 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 And that yeah, can just I be transformative. And it's not a mm-hmm. one-time thing, but you see it again and again where you're like, oh, here it is again. But then it can have less power over you. Even if the trigger right. is still there, it's not the same blast, right? Right. Yeah. 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 I talk a lot, like just being a mom and um, – you being a mom, I talk a lot, there's a whole lot of talk about the idea of self-care out there, mm-hmm. and the way that I kind of think about self-care is the idea of, like, mothering yourself, and kind of what you would do for your child in a situation, you kind of do that for yourself, mm. and it's a really, I kind of think of this idea as really kind of, like, reteaching yourself kind of how to think through situations that maybe you didn't have the emotional maturity or the worldly understanding to really cope with as a kid, it's kind of like reteaching yourself how how to think about those things and how to think going forward when you're kind of faced with similar, similar issues. Because I think a lot of our self-talk really originates from the ways that we learned to talk to ourselves when we were kids. Uh, yeah, yeah, that is such a great way to put it. And so I'm sure there's somebody listening right now who does feel that disconnect where they've been told certain things are true, whether it's about faith, whether it's about their identity, about their worth, about their roles, whatever it is, but there's a disconnect between them truly believing it. They can hear it, but they're not living it and practicing it, like you said, every day. Can you give that woman listening an actionable tip that you've applied in your own life that has really helped you to preach to yourself what is true, and what you can actually live out with that truth. Yeah, so for me, that that disconnect between my head and my heart, it started out as just a vague feeling, like, hey, things are not right here. Something is not lining up. And I wasn't able to really put my finger on what that was. But the further and further I got into it, I realized that it was the things I was saying in my mind did not match up with the things that I believed. And that was disconcerting to me. And a really big example I can give is my husband and I, we live in the suburbs. We have, like, just a normal suburban life. I felt like when he had a corporate job, like, it was, like, the auto um, auto deposit ferry. Like, his paycheck just, like, dropped in the account. And then we had money, and it was there until the next time there was a paycheck. And it's just something I never really thought about. And then took a leap, kind of an act of obedience into self-employment and our finances. I always say we were like downwardly mobile, not upwardly <laughs> mobile. And um, it was so difficult because it was so countercultural to where we live. The people that we knew were like, what in the world are you doing? But we knew it was what we were supposed to do. And so I went with this belief that this is what we're supposed to do. I also believe that God would provide for us. But I was worried all the time. Mm. I constantly felt like it was my job to wrestle up this money and make it work. And my, um, I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram 3. And so it's the idea of, like, I can make this happen. Me too. Me too, Haley. Yes. (laughs) Keep going. Yes. And so (laughs) 
Yeah, and so I would just think like, oh, well, we're $50 short on this. I need to go sell a chair in my house, and then that'll cover this bill. But then you realize, like, you're going to just keep doing that, and it's going to keep going over and over. And I just felt this sense of, like, I was being disobedient by doing that. Like, I wasn't learning this life lesson I was supposed to be learning. And so as I really realized that, that's where I really saw the disconnect. So I had felt it previously. Now I could see, like, what the disconnect was. And then I started listening to the way I was talking to myself. And the thing that I tell myself over and over and over, and I still am tempted to do this. Like, if I am tired or in kind of passive least resistance mode, I just tell myself, I can't do this. Like, that is just my refrain. If I stub my toe, it's like, oh, I can't do this. Mm. Or if the kids are late waking up, it's, oh, I can't do this, can't do this again. And it's just my constant refrain. It's almost just like a habit or a compulsion. And so, but the thing is, is I believe, like, first of all, I believe I'm, like, pretty, I'm an adept enough person that I I can manage a stub toe. And I can figure out the kids, like, being up late or late for school. I can manage that. But I also believe that, like, with my faith that, that with the, all of this, like, I can do things with God. And so it's that measure of, okay, why am I telling myself this thing that I don't actually believe is true? What? Why have I learned to cope in that way? And so I think the first step is really looking at those patterns. Like, you, if you notice the dis- disconnect, then try to look, like, where is that disconnect happening in your life? And also listen to the things that you tell yourself over and over and over. And I actually have a, um, right now with Space Gateway, I'm doing that. They're doing the book for their fall book club. And I developed like a self-assessment sort of thing to help you work through, it's kind of like a workshop-y thing, to help you work through like how are you, what are the things you're telling yourself on repeat? Because mm. a lot of times the voice in our head just sounds exactly like us. And so we're not even really aware of what we're saying. And so it kind of helps uncover that. So I think eventually I'll have that available for everybody. But I think that's where I would start. Mm. I think that's where I'd start. That's really powerful. And I think this conversation was specifically for me this week, Haley. We're buying our first home. And I feel like we have no money. But we have the money. Like the dollars are there. It just is going down because we're buying a yeah. home like that's the way that usually goes but in my mind yeah. I got up at five o'clock to do an extra hour of work because I feel like we have no money you know and it's really yeah. and I know that's not true and it's definitely not serving me I'm spinning my wheels and energy on something that is yeah. completely fruitless and I know it but I'm not living it you know and so identifying yeah. that like you said I don't get I don't need to get hung up on on that aspect, but it's just like, okay, it's not serving me. What else can I do? Or what else can I think? What's the correct thought? Right. And then get on that train instead. Yep. Yeah. Totally. And our brains, our brains are wired to be super efficient. So once we kind of think down one path, it's just way easier for us to continue thinking that same way. And it takes a lot of energy to kind of turn the boat, to turn the tide. But once you do, you can really start to blaze new trails in your mind and you can really start making it easier for yourself to start thinking in a way that's healthy and true. I love that. And it takes no more energy to try and turn the train, like you said, or the tide or the boat or whatever you said. (laughs) But because you're spending so much energy worrying about the thing or stressing or feeling overwhelmed, 
that's taking probably equal amounts of energy. So just swap it out to turn it, to turn it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Love it. Love it. Haley, I'm so excited for everyone to pick up your book. Tell people where they can find it. Yeah, you can get it anywhere books are sold. Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, so many places. So, yes, that's where I would pick it up. And Amazing. I am really excited. Okay. I've never written a book, but I have a dream of writing a book. What is that like walking into a bookstore and you, and cause you're just saying anywhere books are sold. My book is there. What is that like walking into Barnes and Noble and being like, uh, that's my story. Those are my words. That's my book. What is that like? Really? Yeah. It's really pretty crazy. I think it's really fun going in. I mean, I live in like the middle of nowhere, just suburbia. And <laughs> it's really fun going into like my random Barnes and Noble and being like, this is my book. Yes. Can I sign it today? And I can just sign whole stocks that they have wow. there. And you have little stickers that say like autographed copy. And so it's so fun to just do that. And if I take my kids in with me, my kids think it's like the coolest thing that I've ever seen. I so, bet. But it gives me a huge respect for just bookstores and libraries and all that just knowing like how many people put so much of their life into writing the words that are there I mean it's just like an anthology of human energy so mm-hmm. I I feel like there I'm just in awe every time I go to bookstores I love it well congratulations on this book it is so awesome it really speaks to my heart and where I'm at in especially this phase of my life and I know it will speak to the hearts of so many and let's just help others to connect that disconnect I love it Haley I always ask my guests one final question on the podcast and it's this what would you tell your pre-motherhood self oh man honestly I think I would just tell myself like relax because you have like a ton of really crazy years coming up but if you can't relax, you're going to miss a lot of the really sweet moments. And I I think in general, just chilling out in general in life is a good idea because there's so much we can't control. And again, it's like just wasted energy trying to do so. So I think, and just have fun, get excited about it. It's really, I had my first son when I was 21, so I was really young. And it's just been so much fun. Mm-hmm. I mean... Even the difficult days are still, like, cumulatively, when you look at the whole picture, it's just such a joy. And it's it's just so fun. As, and not to miss every little every little moment. Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only weirdo one who does this. But when there are newborns and tiny babies, like, every day I'm like, they're changing. They're not the same baby they were, like, <laughs> three hours ago. I'm sure it's hormones and other things that make you a little bonkers. But every stage has been so fun. And so I think I would just say, like, there are going to come times when you're sad that you miss your younger, your child and their younger versions of themselves. But everything that's coming is so fun, and you get to see the culmination of a lot of hard work. Love it. That's a great message for today. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show, Haley. Thank you for having me, Jessica. You're doing a lot of really great work for moms. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Yeah, thank you. That was such a great interview with Haley. And like I said, I feel like it was really, for me this morning, that was a great word for my heart. And I'm just so grateful for her for writing this book. And so if you're feeling a disconnect between your head and your heart, this is the book for you. Go check it out. It'll be linked over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. Again, it's called Preach to Yourself by Haley Morgan. All right, I also wanted to share three other books that I have just loved lately 
since I have freed up a little bit more time as I've swapped out social media time for other more virtuous activities. No, <laughs> let's not get all high and mighty. But I have chosen to read a lot more with my time and I have enjoyed it so much. So let me tell you about three different books and three different genres in case you're looking for some recommendations. I'll just go through these kind of quick. The first one is the book Hope Squad by Dr. Gregory Hudnall. And I originally heard an interview with him on the Family Looking Up podcast, which is a fantastic podcast. And this is a book about suicide prevention. And while you might think, well, I'm not really interested in learning and reading about such a dark topic. I don't think it's relevant to me, things like that. I think it is absolutely relevant to all of us. Suicide impacts families no matter your socioeconomics, how awesome you are as parents, how awesome your kids are, no matter what. Suicide does not discriminate. It is an uphill battle that we are facing in this country. The numbers are increasing and unfortunately younger and younger kids are facing these suicidal thoughts. It is heartbreaking, but by empowering ourselves with more knowledge about suicide prevention, things to look for, common misconceptions, and then what to say and what not to say to somebody considering suicide, and then also the role of social media and everything as that plays into it, the more we know, the more we're equipped to handle it. And so whether it's handling it within your own family or looking out to the broader picture of your kids' friends and your community and, you know, their church congregations and things like that, it can only help to be empowered by this information. So Dr. Hudnall was a first responder or a consultant to dozens of student suicides when he was a principal. And he went on to... Um, I think he was a superintendent in a school district in Utah. Anyway, he was so passionate about this topic that he created the Hope Squad, a task force designed to help save lives by identifying the key struggles that can lead a person to suicide. And so now there are countless schools across the country that have implemented the Hope Squad idea. It's kind of like a club, but they are really empowering kids to be more aware of the risk factors of suicide and giving kids who are at risk a place to go and get support. This is a fantastic book that gives you a lot of practical information, real statistics. Um, if you don't pick up Hope Squad, the book right away, I would definitely recommend his episode on the Family Looking Up podcast as a starting point for getting, you know, just a taste of, of his knowledge and expertise. I learned so much from him and just found this book so incredibly important. And even though my kids are young, there's definitely things that we can start talking about in order to really bridge that conversation have them be aware of not only their own value and self-worth, but also empowering their friends and the people around them to feel seen and valued as well. So Hope Squad by Dr. Gregory Hudnall is my first recommendation. The second recommendation I have for you is a fiction book, and I have not enjoyed a fiction this much in a long time. Okay, are you ready? The book is Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine. It is a quirky, delightful read that is thought-provoking and just amazing. Let me read a little synopsis. Office worker Eleanor adheres to a strict routine that has insulated her from the memories of her traumatic childhood, but has not shielded her from her loneliness. But after she meets Raymond, a co-worker, she attempts to rediscover her memories and, the process, and in the process learns how relationships, including those with friends, lovers, and colleagues, operate and that other people can be a source of joy rather than destruction. 
Readers may find Eleanor a bit odd at first, but will feel compassion and root for her as she grapples with the severe depression and her painful childhood. Though the novel deals with dark themes, quirky Eleanor's firm bond with Raymond and their adventures lighten the tone, and it is just the most delightful thing. And that little synopsis is perfect because, yeah, there are little quirks about Eleanor that you wonder, you know, what she looks like or, you know, what her relationships are, why she responds the way she does. But the more you get glimpses into her traumatic past, it starts to make a little bit more sense. And there's a lot of twists and turns that are shocking. Um, And I was so sad when it was done. So I could not recommend this anymore. I need you to pick it up. Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman. Um, I'm pretty sure it takes place in Britain would be my best guess. Um, So yeah, I would definitely pick up that book if you're looking for a fiction read. And then the third book I want to recommend is the book Educated by Tara Westover. I read this a couple months ago and I have not been able to stop thinking about it. I love memoirs so much. I love looking into people's lives. I also love The Glass Castle. And this is very similar to that novel. Um, But she was raised in a rural, like, survivalist-type family. Very religiously conservative, but not reflective of the religion itself. Um, In a rural area. Tons and tons of siblings. She did not have a birth certificate until she was 16. She worked and just lived in really just sad and stressful circumstances. She didn't even realize the abuse that was going on in her own life until she was able to get an alternative view once she was much older. But she goes on to be well-educated at Cambridge. And I mean, she just, she's an incredible, incredible overcomer. But it is just a memoir of her life experience. Um, There's parts that are very hard to read, but this was her existence and this was her real life. And I just gained such a profound appreciation for people who, who don't know any different in their life. Like we all know our own norms and until we're given a different viewpoint, like somebody lives differently or there's another option especially when it comes to abuse or different types of of ways of living that are more extreme, you know, she just had no clue that what she was living through was not okay and not normal. Um, But then once she realized that there was another option to live differently, then she was able to rise above that and pursue a different path and go on to be very successful. I mean, to write as well as she writes and to yeah, storytell in just such a magnificent way, given her very unorthodox education growing up. I mean, it just, it blows your mind. So Educated by Tara Westover is my last recommendation for today that I could not recommend enough. Alrighty, hopefully that'll give you some food for thought for those books. Um, Definitely carve out some time. I love reading for self-care. It feels luxurious to me, even, you know, taking a book to the park and sitting on the park bench while my kids are playing outside or in the middle of the day, if I have 10 minutes, being able to step outside and read and feel the sun on my face, you know, like it just feels so restorative to my soul. And I hope that if reading is important to you, that you'll carve out some time in your days to do that as well. 
If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Links to the books and anything we talked about today will be over at extraordinarymomspodcast.com. I would love it if you would share the show. If you loved this episode, share it with a friend. If you loved past episodes, share it with a friend. We are just loving putting on this show for you, and it just means so much as we see new moms finding the show and really benefiting from these valuable conversations. Coming up next Tuesday, we have an Extraordinary Mom interview for you. My guest is Rachel Martin. Rachel, wow, she has an extraordinary story. She's a single mom of seven. She recently wrote a new book, um, but we focus mostly just on her life story. She is extraordinary. She went from raising her kids literally in poverty to creating an entrepreneurial venture that established stability and everything for her kids and herself. And today she really believes in empowering other women and really values other people's stories. She wants to communicate the message that no matter what circumstances you're facing today, there is nothing that you can't do to get through those hard situations, rise above, and create a new reality for yourself. Rachel is extraordinary, and I can't wait for you to hear from her next week. So thanks for tuning into the podcast today, everybody. We will see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.